the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tuesday, we got through Monday. That was tough. Just gotta say, you know, getting a whole, getting a day where you you start off and you're already an hour behind. You feel like, and yeah, that was that was a tough day yesterday. And I feel better today. Didn't have as much trouble getting up this morning. Alarm went off, eyes flew open, ready to go. Yesterday, not so much, but today is is going well. That other voice you hear, that's Elizabeth. You know Elizabeth. Elizabeth is at home right now, and uh, I told her to stay there. She didn't have to waste her gas today. We got a, 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 a guest coming on in the second half hour who is from Freedom and Prosperity. He used to be, uh, I got to know Dan Mitchell uh, when he worked with Heritage, and then he went to Cato, and now he's with Freedom and Prosperity, and uh, we're going to talk about the wealth tax in the last half hour uh you may or may not have heard about it it's been kind of interesting and that story came out monday of last week uh because of it and then the media just dropped it and stopped talking about it and a lot of you why well a lot of people (laughs) won't care okay because this is the uber rich you know they'll say well they got more money than they know what to do with i'm just barely getting by <laughs> i hear that from people i you know i'm 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 just the principle of it is is i don't care how much money you got i don't care how much money you're making it's your money it's not the government's first and they're talking about a three percent tax on the uh the the wealthiest in the country and it will raise about $3 trillion over 10 years. Is it that the government never can have enough money? That's just the way they are. And for people who thinks that, think that everybody else who, who works, that somehow they're working uh, for other people that because of decisions they made in their life, that they can't make money or as much money as they want, that everybody's got to take care of them. I don't buy it. I have never bought it. I never will buy that. And we'll talk about it at 6.35. As you can hear, I'm already fired up about it. I'm looking forward to talking to Dan about it. And I know that Elizabeth will have some questions for him as well. Just remember the old saying that Jefferson said, a government that's big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything away. And it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. Our state government's the same way. It just keeps growing as well. There's a piece of legislation um, 
that is going to be heard today, and it is um, a House bill, 1639. And basically, I, from what I can tell, Elizabeth, I ask you to take a look at it as well. Uh, several people asked me about this because it looks to me like uh, the government can trespass on your property whenever they feel like it. I had no idea that the assessor has the ability to, quote, enter your property to assess. I don't know whether that means they can come onto your land or they can come into your home. It doesn't really say, does it? No, it does not, and that concerns me. I had no idea that this it, it, this bill actually extends the ability of what's already there, it looks like, which is the assessor's ability to come in and check out your property. But that's the way it's worded. It doesn't really say exactly what it means. Enter upon and personally inspect property. Does yeah. that mean they can walk onto your land or it's enter into question. your home? It's a good question. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Who's the uh, who's the sponsor of the bill? Do you still have it up in front of you? Yeah, I do. Hang on. The sponsor is uh, Representative Fortner. Okay. Fortner. Let's see if I can't bring uh, maybe give them a call this afternoon and get some clarification but, on it. But, th- but this, this bill is an amendment to what's already there. Okay? Yeah, they want to it add to it. extends that, yeah, to employees and independent contractors of the assessor's office. Yeah, listen. Now, I know I, well, here in Faulkner County, they've used a, a company, you know, a contractor, and we've seen them driving around, you know, in their trucks and and stuff, and they've been in the neighborhood at times, but... I'm not aware of people. I don't know. I don't. I don't like the sound of this. <laughs> okay, so give give the, that to everybody else. You got the assessor, and then usually he has X amount of people who work under him. Now they're giving them the opportunity to hire whom? Employees and independent contractors. Independent contractors. Your property. Yeah, see, I don't like that. I mean, uh, if if you want, if if you're going to have people that are going to work for the assessor, they should be working for the assessor, not as independent contractors. Uh, that that shouldn't be happening. So, uh, I'll look into this and get more on it because it's something to to be looked at, looked at, and to and to make sure that we don't allow that to get out of hand. Because it sounds like to me, it very easily could get out of hand it's a little scary i i don't like say i'm a, a little shocked to even know that it exists to start with and i don't really like the idea of usually these employees are they're not super temporary but they're not permanent employees uh-huh. and no i don't like that idea at all uh-huh. okay all right so uh there's other things going on uh, there there's a post that state senator jason raper put out uh definitely uh you know, I don't know what to think of it because it's got nobody's signature on it. You know what I'm saying? He says, I guess it's people in the Democrat Party here in Arkansas, but they're out to get Larry Teague, uh, who has, uh, you know, voted pro-life and some other things. And now they're saying that he needs to go. And I don't know, you know, they're looking to they're going to run somebody against him or, or what. Uh What's your take on this? I mean, it says, whereas, 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 looks all official, but I don't know how official it is. Well, I think it is pretty official. I 
have to assume that if Senator Rapert posted it, that it's valid, and it sure reads as if it's valid. Uh, it sounds like they're just restating their opinions forcibly, as they tend to like to do. And it's interesting that they're landing on Larry Teague. It, it, you know, if if they had something good to talk about, they'd talk about the issue and not the person, right? Yeah. And of course, they start right off about gun safety and stand your ground and reproductive justice. You know, allowing themselves the permission to murder children, and then they go into their alphabet people, and then they go into healthcare and the whole nine yards. Whereas, 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 and how dare he? He voted yes. He voted yes. Okay, so he voted for. Stopping abortion, evidently. Uh, Correct. He voted, he voted for, for stand your ground, and uh, oh, I guess and invasive, the... invasive ultrasounds. We voted for invasive ultrasounds. Have you ever had an ultrasound, Dave? Yes, I have. I had one on my is kidney. It's so invasive. It's yeah, so invasive. It is. The only, mean, do you you want to know the only thing? Your... The only thing invasive <laughs> about that is they put that goo on you, and it's cold. <laughs> I was going to say, the only thing is you got that sticky stuff on you. It's not invasive, painful. You can't even tell anything's going on. Yeah. It's, it's horribly invasive that you should force pregnant women to have ultrasounds. Well, um, it, it's kind of, know, a, he, and I guess that the, they're talking about is now they do ultrasounds to show uh, women who are looking at having an abortion to actually see what the baby looks like that she's carrying. That's the bill. You know, yep. it seems to me that for they've done so many years of trying to say it's not a baby, it don't look like a baby, blah 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 blah. It's now it's a clump of cells. Yeah, now we got now we want to you know let the, the 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 parent know that that's not the case. That it you can see the heart beating, you can see the hands forming, you can see you know depending on when. Uh, you can see the fingers and the toes and the toenails and the fingernails and the whole nine yards. You know, there's there's no secret about what goes on in the womb anymore. At least I don't think that there is. Well, and they, you know, we know that when people see ultrasounds, then they change their their attitudes and their opinions change dramatically many times. Uh-huh. It's hard to ignore what you see in front of your very eyes. Yeah. But I found it, like say, interesting. It's invasive invasive yeah. and it's pregnant individuals not women individuals their wording is just more than disgusting well pregnant individuals are forced to undergo invasive ultrasounds now that sounds like something going on in china or something that, i mean well, you know that's what they want uh, you to think that's what, that's what they what want you to think. think while they themselves are the ones that are forcing our country into those types of attitudes and and behaviors all right. Yeah. Now, Elizabeth's going to be with me this first hour. We'll be joined at 635 by Dan Mitchell from Freedom and Prosperity. He's going to talk with us about the wealth tax. You won't want to miss that. So uh, just pour yourself a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, listen to your radio. Or if you got to run out and head to work, make sure you got your uh, you always leave your radio at 101.1 FM, The Answer, so that you don't miss any of the information that we're talking to you about. Uh, we'll be back with Elizabeth in just a moment. You know, J- Dustin Turner, he will take good care of you if you want to sell your home. Now, he's going to give you his marketing plan and all of that uh, as uh, your realtor if you want to do it 
the old-fashioned way. Now, there's a better, well, maybe I shouldn't use the word better. There's another way that is out there that's as good as the way that most people do it uh, today. You know, you do the open house, you show your house, you, you on a weekend, you like you got the little signs up at the inner going into your suburb saying this way to open house, and you got signs in your front yard, open house, you know, and then anybody and, and, and you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry can come walking through your home to take a look at it. Uh, I don't like that idea all that much of somebody coming by. I'm all count me one of those people, the cynical ones that are thinking that there might be somebody in that group that's casing my house. All right. I just got that bad feeling. And, uh, and you're not even around normally. It's just the, just the uh, realtor who's there. Uh, now, if Dustin Turner had his people there, I guess I would feel better about it, but I still wouldn't be 100%. So what I like is the way that he, uh, because he works uh, with the folks at uh, EXP Realty, uh, they can give you an instant cash offer. They come out, take a look at your house. They go, you know what? We'll give you X amount of uh, greenbacks for your house right here. Just give you the money. And I I think that you'll find as most people find that the cash offers that are made are right exactly in the ballpark of the kind of offers you're going to get from the other people that come and walk through your house and look at it and then make an offer on it so you know don't don't mess with all that staging and all of that stuff just turn to dustin turner and and let him offer you a cash offer and uh, go from there you might find you you like it. To get a hold of Dustin, call him 501-952-2969. 501-952-2969. can also reach him online at hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. Now, I've told you I'm looking to sell my home probably by the end of next year or maybe the beginning of 2023, but I'm not long in my house now. I mean, look at it. I've been there for 18 years. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've been there longer than I'm going to stay there. Let's just put it that way. And when I get ready to sell, this is the guy I'll be talking to to sell my house. I might just see that cash offer right off the bat. That's Dustin Turner. Elizabeth Soltolaro is with us by phone today. She's in Conway. I'm here in the studio in Little Rock. If you're watching on Facebook, how you doing this morning? Uh, real quickly, uh, I was a journalism major, uh, radio TV journalism major when I was in college. Uh, so was Elizabeth. She was a journalism major as well. And I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but something that I always questioned was retractions by the newspapers. And by retraction, I mean you report a story – and then you find out maybe somebody lied to you or somebody, you know, gave you uh, the runaround or whatever. But you reported it because, you know, they were a good source. And then you go back and you retract it and say, hey, we made a mistake, blah, 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 blah. And the way that that was usually done, let's say your story was on the front page above the fold. That's that's the prime place that you want your story to show up at. And then you find out 
there was a mistake in it, and so you want to tell everybody it was there was a mistake. And the paper puts and buries that retraction on page five at the bottom right-hand corner, maybe has a little bit of highlighted lineage around it to try to draw a little bit of attention to it to say uh, the uh, story that we, we reported uh, on Monday had an inaccurate uh, quote in it. Uh, the person said this, but really we found out they said that. And they let it go. Well, maybe what they what you reported they said was really, really big and caused everybody all kinds of heartburn uh, that, uh, you know, that the, the story was about. Well, everybody will remember during the election, I suppose, when the Washington Post said that uh, President Trump uh, called up the folks in Atlanta, Georgia, or in Georgia, and uh, wanted to know how they could find uh, like a few thousand votes for him. Do you remember that that story, uh, Elizabeth? Oh yeah, he he uh, he told them to go find the votes. Yeah, yeah go 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 find reported. the votes. That's exactly right. Well, that's what the, he told them. The Washington Post admitted yesterday, "quote We misquoted Trump's comments on the call." Based on information provided by a source. Now, here's my thing. Why would you quote anybody that somebody said something? Nobody can remember exactly, unless it's just like one sentence, and that wasn't the case uh, in this particular story. You know, maybe they said, you know, you know, kill him. Now, you might be able to quote that, all right? But they were quoting things that this person said. Uh, Beckett Adams said, yeah, Beckett Adams said, it's one thing if a single news outlet botches an anonymously sourced scoop. It's another thing, and this is the other thing that was really important about this story. You've got multiple newsrooms, multiple newsrooms reporting that that was a true story. And they had independently confirmed. Now, to confirm a story means that you call your source and talk to them, and they say, yeah, that's true. A- absolutely. Uh, the bot <laughs> scoop with anonymous sources of their own. Number one, I can think of only one story I did on radio, and it was when I was at WIBC in Indianapolis that I used anonymous stories. I actually had to take and and disguise the voices of some prisoners who were breaking a story about a white supremacy group within Indiana State Penal uh, System who were running drugs to the inmates. Well, you can't just let their voices be because they'll end up dead. So we we electronically altered uh, their voices, but we it, it's not like it was somebody just on the the phone. I mean, the whole story about Watergate bothers me in a sense, and that you know, Deep Throat was always over the phone. You know, I I had problems with that. Now they 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 met him face to face late uh, on that yeah. story, but before that. They were quoting this person as an anonymous source said this, 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 and this. 
And the way that, if you watch that movie, the way that they prove that the source is good is that what he's telling them happens. All right. Well, what if it doesn't happen and you've already reported it? <laughs> I always wondered that. And, you know, Bernstein and, uh, and Woodard, I, I, you know, they did, a, they did a yeoman's job uh, going out later and getting other stuff as well. But the beginning of that story was highly suspect, I thought. This is when you are more interested in putting out your position or propaganda than you are in doing accurate what used to be called journalism. There's nobody that does journalism anymore. You know, we were hammered on about making sure that you find both sides of the story, that you report the facts, that you double and triple check the facts. That was your credibility. That was your reputation as a news provider. Apparently, that is no longer the case in our society. It's more about how vitriolic can you be in your writing and how awful can you make the other side look, no matter what you say, whether it's accurate or not. Yeah, I, when I'm just talking about that story in Indiana, I remember that the way that I went about uh, making sure that what these people were telling me was true, because, hey, look, they were cons too, all right? You don't call them a convict just because you don't like them or whatever. They were there because they broke the law. So, uh, But I'll talk about it. And just, I'll come back and we'll talk about it a little bit. But Dan Mitchell will be with us as well. Back with you. We continue on our morning show here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, and uh, we've got a special guest with us. He's been with me before. Uh, over the years, I've been doing talk radio. Dan Mitchell has been with me, I think, when he was with Heritage, and I know when he was with Cato. He's now with Freedom and Prosperity, and uh, typically the groups that Dan is with are principled groups that believe, you know what, if you make your money, you should keep your money. Government should keep their little grubby hands off of it. Uh, Dan, I want to introduce you to Elizabeth Soltolaro, who's on the phone with us as well. She's part of my show uh, here on Tuesdays. And so if you hear a female voice suddenly pipe up, uh, know that I didn't do hormone therapy or something during a break and and change my vocal capacity. How you doing, Dan? It's good to talk to you. Well, good to talk to you. Uh, I'd like to say I'm doing good, but I'm very worried about uh, this ever-increasing burden of government spending that Washington is imposing upon the country. Well, I can understand that. I'm understanding that uh, this time it's Warren and uh, a lot of the lefties that are saying, you know, if you are worth X amount of dollars, and see, they go after people that make a lot of money, and so the average American... A lot of them say, okay, they can spare a few thousand dollars. You know, I can I can hear yeah, it. they've got it. Yeah, they got that money. You know, I look at it as a principal thing. I, I look at it like Jefferson looked at things. If the government can give you everything, the government can take everything away. So I would much rather know that if I go out and to the sweat of my brow make uh, money, that that money – the first bite of my food dollar or whatever doesn't come from the government. But that's not the way these people think. No, because well, when you have an ever-increasing burden of government spending, guess what happens? The other shoe drops, and that's the ever-increasing burden of taxation. Uh, and now that uh, Biden and the crowd in Washington have uh, added $2 trillion almost to an already excessive uh, spending burden, 
And now the talk has turned to different ways of trying to extract more money from the American people. Uh, and uh, what worries me a lot is the way they're practicing this poisonous class warfare uh, with ideas, especially this idea of a wealth tax, uh, which would directly drain saving and investing out of the private economy, which, by the way, and this is the most important thing to understand about this issue, rich people might be the ones who are directly paying the tax, but because we're going to deprive the private economy of lots of saving and investing, the rest of us are going to bear the burden of the tax because there'll be uh, a smaller capital stock, as economists call it, which is just a, a wonky way of saying we won't have as much technology, machinery, equipment, tools, you know, the things that enable us to be productive and earn more money. Uh, so I, I just don't want America to become like Greece and Italy and France, and unfortunately, that's the direction of this tax and spend uh, crowd in Washington. Well, that's what they want to be. They want to be, uh, you know, democratic socialists. You know, I mean, we don't have swastikas or anything like that. I don't know what we got to come up with an emblem for those people. All right, uh, Dan, we got to come up with an emblem that they that they wear because they're they're scary people as far as I'm concerned. It used to be when I was a kid. You know, my dad didn't look at Rockefeller or any of the other ones as being uh, you know they're they're filthy rich. They need to, to give me some of their money. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to keep working hard, and maybe one day one of my kids can be like Rockefeller. That's what my father said. I don't hear yeah, that and, anymore. Well, and, and what, what you're describing there is what I call societal capital. I mean, there's, there's physical capital like tools and factories and buildings. There's human capital, just how educated you are. Societal capital is the culture of a country. Is there a spirit of independence, of self-reliance? Is there a work ethic? Is there, is there a striving to get ahead? That's positive societal capital. Negative societal capital is envy and resentment. Mm-hmm. And in Europe, Ronald Reagan always just, you know, used to say that if a, if a European thought like a Rolls Royce, they would say, ah, oh, he doesn't deserve it, let's take it away. If an American saw someone driving a Rolls Royce, you know, like you describing with your father's uh, attitude, ah, maybe someday I can get something like that if I work hard. Well, I want a country where we're independent, self-reliant, hardworking, and we don't have a spiteful, jealous, envious uh, attitude toward people that are successful. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly uh, with you. Dan Mitchell is our guest it's from Freedom and Pos- uh, Prosperity. Is it freedomandprosperity.com or org? Uh, dot org. So dot it's org. Okay. Center, for Freedom and Pros- Center for Freedom and Prosperity, but the website is freedomandprosperity.org. Uh, and also, my daily columns are on my uh, website, which is just go to, da- go to any uh, search engine, type in Dan Mitchell blog. It's the first thing to come up. Okay, sounds great. Elizabeth, I know you'll have some questions for him. You just heard that last answer. That opens up a lot of doors to to talk. I wonder what's going to happen when the workers realize that it doesn't matter how hard or how not hard you work, you get the same result. The output of our country will plummet. Well, that's the core problem of of socialism, of redistributionism, Uh, the notion that, okay, you the government takes away your money. You don't work. The government gives you money. 
that's a terrible incentive structure. It, it, it's a route for dependency. Uh, it, it's, it's a route for uh, – it, it, it's just a strategy. Again, I, you come back to the European countries that have gone down this path. They have economic stagnation. Uh, you don't have uh, you don't have good job opportunities. Unemployment is so much higher. The average person in the bottom twenty percent in the United States is better off than the average middle class person in Europe. That's the difference between a society based on redistribution and a society based on work and merit. And I just I, I hate the idea that we're losing that with these poisonous ideas like class warfare taxes, wealth taxes, bigger government. Let me stop you there and and talk about something, Dan. When I talk to people about, for better or worse, the way of saying the American dream, that you can dream big and you can get to your big dreams if you're willing to work and and, and struggle and do the necessary things to get there, uh, I get, well, why should I have to do that? Blah, 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 blah. The people that are on the other side seem to me when you're giving things away have a huge advantage uh when you're when you're discussing these things because they're, they're like well they're, i i i go all for this like it's christmas every day give me presents i want it and then if i talk about you got to work i go i don't want any of that stuff to do with work i want to sit up late at night and smoke dope you know what i'm saying how how do we how do we package our argument in a way that is more palatable to the average American? Well, if I knew the answer to that, I'd already be doing it. You're not very good at it, I will say that. We've got to get better on the conservative side of showing people, not just talking about it, but showing people why our values and principles are so much better for everybody, not just uh, and the people in charge. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what I try to do in my way with my writings is I focus a lot on comparative economics. I compare what's happening in the United States with what's happening in Europe. I point out how socialism has destroyed countries like Venezuela and Greece. Uh, I, I try to focus on real-world evidence. But you know what? We need more than real-world evidence. Because sometimes I think uh, an economist like me talking about these things, some people just don't care. We also need to make the moral case that liberty and self-reliance and personal responsibility and work are good things that make good people. Yeah, you look at, Dan, you look at our country right now. I mean, I'm 68. I just turned 68 a couple of weeks ago. And the country that I live in now is nowhere near the country I was living in when, for instance, I went to college in my first year back in 1971. And it worries me because it is over the last 10 years, in fact, we have moved so quickly away from the things that made us great. We're running headlong into, you know, the whole idea of social uh, utopia like they, they have over in, in, in Europe. And it's not a social utopia by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it, it, it's a straw man that's been built up all over there. Would you agree with that? I, I don't just agree with that. I want to like uh, uh, you know, put a put a crown on it because you're you're singing my music. I, I, the, the, the fact that anybody in the United States 
would want to copy these European welfare states where there's less economic opportunity, where people are on average are much poorer than they are in the United States, uh, where there's a lot more dependency. Uh, it, it's, it's just so anti-empirical that it drives me crazy. Uh, so, yes, we need to make these evidence-based arguments, but we also need to make the moral-based arguments. We have to somehow get at this change people's minds if they think that, well, somehow we can just keep taxing rich people. Uh, well, there aren't enough rich people to finance big government. Uh-huh. Uh, so not only is it bad for the economy to try to go after rich people with this sort of politics of spite and resentment, but guess what? You get a big government and there's no longer any rich people to tax. What's left? you're going to wind up, just like we see in Europe, with enormous tax burdens on lower-income and middle-class people. They have these giant value-added taxes. They have these very steep payroll taxes on ordinary people. Their income tax rates are higher, and they kick in at much lower levels of income. And the bottom line is you can't finance big government by taxing rich people. I mean, heck, here's something that most people don't understand. A lot of European countries have gotten rid of their wealth taxes because they wind up simply driving rich people or driving their money and their investments overseas. Uh, so, so all that's left at the end of the day is taxing ordinary people. So we have to get away from class warfare. We have to get away from big government. We have to go back to an America where individual liberty, personal responsibility, free enterprise were the guiding principles. Well, I got to get a break in when we come back, Dan. I want to talk about that individual liberty there because I am very worried about that. When I was in high school, I worked with the Berkeley folks uh, in getting freedom of speech uh, at our high school where kids could write their columns for their newspapers and things of that nature. And that was the right fighting against freedom of speech. And the, the right came around and said, okay. You know, we can get into this First Amendment thing. It does say what it says. It says freedom of speech. Now it's the left that's attacking freedom of speech. And we're right back in the same square we were when I was a uh, a junior in high school. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about the price of liberty and how important liberty is to this nation. Our guest, Dan Mitchell, he is from uh, Freedom and Prosperity, the uh, website freedomandprosperity.org. Go to uh, Dan Mitchell on uh, Google and you'll find his blog. Make sure you read some of the things that he's telling us right now. Uh, And if you got a logical bone in your body, it makes sense to you. So Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget about David Lucas Financial. He's got his brochure out, the ultimate retirement planning checklist. 30 questions that you should be able to answer about your retirement so that you don't go off the rails and your money, uh, you know, outlives you, that you don't outlive your money. You outlive your money, you won't like what you end up with. I'm just telling you. And, and a lot of the things that we're talking about right now, can go a long way with that as well. David talks a lot about taxation. Taxes are at a 40-year low in this country. They're going to go up. You can't keep spending, you know, you know, 2, 3, 4 trillion dollars over what you got coming in and not go out and take that money from somebody uh, at the end of a gun. So David Lucas Financial, the ultimate retirement planning checklist, call him. Be one of the first 10 callers right now. 
3315 and get one of these sent right directly to you at your house. They're not going to keep you on a list or anything. That's not going to happen. 501-222-3315 or go to davidlucasfinancial.com. Got a couple of great guests with me this morning as normally on a Tuesday in the first hour. Uh, Of course, Elizabeth Sotolaro is with me. Uh, special guest today, Dan Mitchell is with us. Freedomandprosperity.org is the group that he's with. He has been with the Heritage Foundation and the Cato folks, and both of those are great institutions as well and stand up for liberty. And, Dan, that's what i like to spend the last about five minutes talking with you about. Where has it gone in this country? What Have we allowed our school system to so indoctrinate our children that they don't understand the concept of liberty and how important that it really, really is? Well, I don't know that I would fully blame the school system because I'm not sure the school system was ever the vehicle for for passing on uh, the the appreciation for what our founding fathers bestowed upon us. Uh, but there's no question that you know the teacher unions have gone so hardcore left wing uh, that they that they, there's a lot of left wing propaganda in school uh, curriculum now in the government schools. Uh, so yes, that's part of the problem. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's just all the institutions in our society we're beginning to lose this great inheritance uh, that we that we have in this country. Uh, I, I want the United States to stand out as being special, because we do have more uh, economic freedom, that we do have stronger principles of individual liberty. I like the notion that we have a spirit of independence and orneriness, uh, where we don't just meekly become serfs to big government. Uh, There is some of that attitude, unfortunately, in Europe, but we're becoming more like Europe, and and that's uh, very, very troubling. Yeah, Elizabeth, I know this is something you and I talk about a lot here on the show. Uh, You got anything that you'd like to ask Dan about that? Well, I would just agree with Dan, and I think it is also the responsibility of our families to instill that patriotism in in our young people, and it's not happening. It's not happening because the current generation of parents, they're far removed from many of our war heroes and our big history folks that we understand about these values and they were not taught and now they're not teaching their children and it's really dramatically changing well, i gotta tell you quickly. my dad was a world war ii hero he served a patent over in the european theaters in the battle of bulge and things of that nature and if i ever was at a an event and i did not take my my cap off when the the, the national <laughs> anthem was saying uh he tried he would try real hard to hit my back and my head hard enough that my eyes would fly out uh it, it, how many, you know he he didn't stand many, for it yeah and how many classes do you even know about anymore that we used to start every morning with the pledge of allegiance yep. in our classroom and the national anthem and, and the national anthem and it was broadcast over the you know uh uh sound system in the mornings Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen there is no reinforcement and in fact i say it's the right's fault as well we've let them do this yeah Dan's right on target yeah i agree uh the only reason uh the education system can win in this is because parents are not fighting back and telling their school boards that they're not going to allow them to do some of the things that they're doing 
and guess what if you if you threaten them with their jobs and you got enough people that get behind you and it don't take a lot get a couple hundred people and you'd be surprised at how uh, people will bend uh, the thing is is that you got to do that to make some of this stuff uh, happen and I worry uh, for my grandchildren uh, uh, Dan is that they're not going to know anything at all about what the founding fathers believed they're just going to think that there are a bunch of old white supremacists out there <laughs> you know i really worry about it i mean that's i think it's it's right to worry about it would you agree uh, i agree and 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 here's i don't think that we should be giving children propaganda i don't think we should be saying that everything was perfect back in 1776 what we should be saying is that America has a good founding and has ever since then strived to live up to those ideals uh, and that we have a greater cultural inheritance of liberty and freedom than other nations, and it's mm-hmm. our job to make sure that extends to everyone in our society. In other words, we started good, and we're striving to get better. Uh, Aspirational, and, 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 and yeah, and, and unfortunately, with all the all the wokeness that you have now, uh, well, every founding father, by definition, was bad because America wasn't a perfect society in 1776. We weren't, but nobody was. No. But the point is, who is getting better? Who is trying to advance the principles? Who is extending them to more and more people? Uh, you know, I, I think America has a wonderful story to tell. Uh, it's not just because I'm a free market-oriented economist. It's because I want a society where there's liberty and freedom for everyone and an opportunity to rise and prosper for everyone. All right. Dan, what's your uh, current article about your blog? When people go there, what are you going to read about? Well, the article I wrote yesterday was about how government policy caused the Great Depression. And the article I mm-hmm. wrote the day before was about how politicians in Southern California uh, imposed higher minimum wage mandates, and now you're seeing businesses close down. I literally write a column every day on my blog. Uh, the, the day before that, I was looking at some academic research about how the European Union, uh, you know, to what extent is it promoting more statism and making Europe even worse? So every single day, there's some economic analysis, some article, uh, very fact-based, but always with principles of freedom behind it. All right, Dan, thanks so much. It's always, it's been a while since we talked. You, you, you're so clear. You got a clarion call here, and I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Dan Mitchell, freedomandprosperity.org, or Dan Mitchell uh, on, on Google, and you find his columns. Elizabeth, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. We'll talk to you again on next Tuesday. I'll talk to you before then. But uh, we'll take a break. Bible Guys are next.
right. Time for the Bible, guys. Steve is not here today. Uh, he's got some family things coming up that are really, really big this weekend. And so uh, every minute of his existence right now is accounted for. So uh, he can't be with us uh, today. But uh, Scott is here and Billy is here. And I'm sure that they can handle whatever you can throw at them. We feel that way. That's um, right. In the next segment, I want to make sure that you stay with us because I'm going to play some audio that I sent to, to to Scott and to Billy and to Steve. I wish Steve were here just to talk about that video. <laughs> We'd have to tie him down. We really would. Yeah. <laughs> have to, may have to tie down. You know, I might have you pull over to the side of the oh, road gosh. if you're a believer just... when you when you hear about this. All right, first question for you guys. Uh, you know, Easter's on the 4th of next month. Mm-hmm. It's getting very close. Passover is next week, is it not? Starts Friday. Uh, starts uh, uh, yep. Sunday uh, evening on the 28th, is it? Is it the 28th? Yes, yeah, not this weekend. It's oh, the, the following. Next, uh, yeah, um, it okay. hmm. thought it was Friday night. All right. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Pretty sure. All right. <laughs> It's not, just, not that I'm uh, playing no, four no. five sweaters for next weekend, I'm, but I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure it's next Friday. I, I think you're right. Yeah, it's not on Sunday when it begins. No, I, I it have ends to, on Sunday. Yeah. It ends on a Sunday. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I got to cool. say something in Scott's defense. He did have the big corporate meeting uh, this last week. That's, that's, well, we we've, yeah. we've been planning a bunch of things for <laughs> the end of of Passover week. So, oh, okay. that, is, that is a date that is sticking out much more strongly right now than the beginning. So, you know, as as um, you're right, I had the big corporate meeting, but I, you know, I think one thing that um, <clears throat> I as I have developed over this whole COVID uh, year, yeah, has just been decision fatigue. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, everything from, okay, do we prop a door open? Do we leave a door closed? Do we pass an offering bucket? Do we not? Are we going to take communion? Should we keep it in a separate place? Are we going to pray for people laying hands on them or not? Are we going to have one service or two services? Maybe yeah. we should have three services. Are we going to wear a mask? We're not going to wear a mask. Are we inside or are we going to be outside? It's, it's can just you, like can you have one? Can you thing. have one of the little filter things that you <laughs> open up on your mask or oh, can't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you wear one mask or two masks? Oh, yeah, right. And I so, you know, where, where the hand sanitizer position is going to go. I mean, it's just like, it, I'm just tired of making decisions. And so I about feel. silly little things. About yeah. silly yeah. little things. You know what you need to do? What? Go on a vacation. You, no, you need. <laughs> well, you, not that would not be a bad idea. But you need to make one of those uh, great little vignettes that you guys do from time to time. Uh-huh. And make it about COVID. About COVID. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because there's a lot of. I, I dumb stuff. Yeah, that goes along with COVID. Oh, for sure. All yeah. right, dear Bible guys, I heard you mention last week about discussing Passover. All right, I would really like to hear your thoughts on that, but I am also interested in hearing about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Could you walk us through that as well? All right. Okay, I'll um I'll take a swing at the first bit. Maybe Billy can then pass over to the Unleavened Bread. So about uh, about Passover, uh, yeah, uh, Passover is the uh, Hebrew, the word is Pesach, and um, it's the feast that the Lord gave us. Uh, this is um, all the feasts of the Lord you can find in Leviticus chapter 23, and these are the what the Bible calls the feasts of the Lord. These are not Jewish feasts. We tend to relate them to the Jews uh, because they've been the only ones observing them, 
uh, but these are called the Feast of the Lord. And most Christians will say, well, we don't do that because that's uh, that's a that's Jewish things. And it's not. It's it's the Feast of uh, the Lord. Um, it uh, The Lord did not give us something called the Feast of Easter. Uh, that was Constantine who did that. Uh, he also gave us bunny rabbits and eggs and all the other things that go along with that. Jesus, on the other hand, gave us uh, Passover, which involves a... Uh, uh, the Passover lamb, it involves uh, the consumption of unleavened bread, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's the um, the celebration of um, what many people now call the, the Lord's Supper. So basically, communion is the tail end of the uh, of the Passover of the Passover meal. The thing that's really interesting about this to me and should be to everybody is that when Jesus was eating the Passover meal, uh, what we call the Last Supper, um, he actually told his disciples, "We're not going. I'm not going to do this again until, until we're together until again. We're all together, uh, which takes Passover out of the earth realm and makes it a, a heavenly spiritual thing. And I think most believers need to know that 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 the feast of the Lord are first and foremost of the Lord, which means <clears throat> they are spiritual because the Lord is spirit. Uh, and um, you think about this also. Just moving on from Passover, you come to the feast of Pentecost, and um, Jesus um, said, "I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until uh, until um, until uh, the, for Pentecost." And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Himself would send the Holy Spirit. So um, I'm so, going to send you a helper. Yes, the helper. So the, the thing is interesting about that is He says, um, "You know, wh- why did why did heaven wait until the Feast of Pentecost to send the Holy Ghost?" Uh, and the reason um, the reason why is because heaven celebrates the Feast of Pentecost. So Jesus is celebrating Pentecost in heaven. Um, the Feast of the Lord all take place uh, because they're spiritual in that realm. And um, the Feast of Passover um, comes along in a couple of weeks, and it will be about the celebration of our deliverance from um, from darkness into into light. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's a, a very brief overview. I mean, the the feast itself is a very detailed thing, but. Uh, so at our church, what we have done is we have endeavored to um, reject uh, the tradition of men in the favor of of the Word of God. And that's important because Mark chapter 7 says that you make the Word of, none effect, of no effect by your tradition. And so we have allowed certain earthly man-made tradition to overlay on Scripture, right. and we've lost the power of um, of the Word of God because you know most Christians would never think of celebrating a Passover meal. I mean, it didn't even come into their mind, but they have no trouble. A lot of them don't even know about it. I, I know. But, you know, you would think that at one point somebody would stop and say, what does an egg and a rabbit have to do with the resurrection of Jesus of Christ? What, what right. do, why do they, how do these things even go together? Um, but for the most part, we don't think about it because it's just so much a part of our, of our tradition. But then at this Feast of Passover begins... Um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And sometimes people, people get them confused because they call it Passover week, um, but really you eat unleavened bread at the Passover meal, and that begins the next seven days. Right. No, I was, I was uh, actually going to read the passage here. It says, um, starting in Leviticus 23 with verse 4, it says, These are the feasts of the Lord. Again, noting that these are not the feasts of the people. These are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times on the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. So there we go. There's there's Passover right there. 
Uh, and on the 15th day, so the next day of the same month, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, but you shall bring an offering. Uh, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. Now, one of the things that's interesting here <clears throat> is that we see that there are essentially um, two and perhaps, depending on the year, three uh, Sabbaths in a matter of four days. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the reason people can get so weird about, um, and, and what it was that actually led me to begin. I was nine years old. I think I've told this story before when uh, my father asked the congregation to read their entire Bibles cover to cover. And I took that as a challenge to do that. But the problem is that it split us in our beliefs at nine years old <laughs> because I read a couple of passages of scripture that suddenly went, huh, I have a problem with what my dad preaches. Uh-huh. And one of those was the fact that you cannot get from Friday, a good Friday to Saturday or to a Sunday and have three days and three nights. Mm. And uh, as a young kid, I went, well, dad has always taught me that regardless of what man says, the Bible is right. And therefore my dad must be wrong. <laughs> this was a moment in my home. Right? So, but the reason that happens is because, um, modern Christianity, they go, well, this was the day before the Sabbath. So that must've been a Friday, but that's not true. Um, what we, what we understand is that there can be multiple Sabbaths in a week because a, any day that is a holy convocation is a Sabbath. Uh, that is a day that we don't do any work. So there are some, there are multiple Sabbaths here, multiple days when we should be stopping to observe what the Lord is up to. Okay. I got to stop you for a moment. Holy convocation. Convocation. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> um, that is, is that a, like a lot of people in a tent or something <clears throat> like that. So that is a time for starters that makes it a Sabbath immediately. So okay. doing no customary work, all of those things that apply to the Sabbath suddenly apply to this day. And being that it is a holy convocation is also time for us to gather. Um, it is a time that we should come together yeah. as a community. It's like the word convocation, uh, like a, to convene. But one thing that's really cool about that word, if you look the word convocation up, uh, it, uh, in, in, um, in Hebrew, it's going to be the word moed. Uh, and, um, and the word moed, not only does it mean like an appointed time or a special day, but, but it actually means um, convocation is a holy rehearsal. Right, right. So it means to rehearse. Now, I used to be in theater whenever I was in uh, in high school, and obviously a, a rehearsal is a preparation for the main event. That's right. So so the Lord put all these feasts in play so that the children of Israel are rehearsing a future event that's a, the, the, the actual actual playing out of this, uh, of this divine uh, play. And so everything that we're talking about here – these were holy rehearsals for an actual event coming, or you could say these were prophetic displays of what was going to come. And of course, these are all going to be fulfilled in the in the Messiah, and that's why it's important to keep them because many of them haven't even been fulfilled yet. Right. So right. we're meant to still be prophesying through observing the feast for the actual event that's on its way. All right. So keep this in mind if you're a former Thesbian. <laughs> that you're getting ready for opening night. That's it. That's right. That's, That's it. what it's, uh, what it's all coming from. we got to get a break in. When we come back, get out your duct tape. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, tape your head. All right, I'm going to say tape your head because I'm going to play something for you that might make your head explode. I'm just saying. Do you have any it, duct tape here for us? <laughs> yeah. You guys have already heard I it. I know, but. Yeah, I, I see the cracks that were yeah. the, yeah. the fissures. Yeah. All right, well, we'll we're going to play something. Did you know that Jesus was a racist? Oh, and I'm going to play that for you when we come back here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick show. It's not funny, folks. I'm, it's not a comedy bit. It's yeah, somebody dead serious. All right. Uh, you can save 30 to 50% on your health insurance. You want to know how? Call Pat Davis. Keep that name in mind, Pat Davis. He's your health uh, plan man, uh, healthplanman.com. Phone number 501-605-6935. These are perfect health plans for people who are self-employed. It's a health plan for conservatives where you don't pay for what you don't believe in and this is actual insurance it is not a share plan share plans are totally different from actual insurance uh here's the thing to know the government right now are giving away their uh, their health plans by giving away i mean that they're giving you large subsidies so you can afford uh their health plan what will happen in the future is the subsidies will go up and the health plan cost uh, will go up. I mean, uh, your subsidy will go down and your premium will go up and it'll be, it'll be outrageous in the end. Many people are going to get stuck with a government plan if they have any health changes or if they have any health insurance at all. Choose any provider in the nation. They cover them. Uh, you often get a check when you go to the doctor, urgent care, and even the hospital. There are no copays. Excess money goes to you instead of the insurance company. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Call Pat Davis. Let him tell you all about this, answer all your questions. Phone number 501-605-6935 or go online to yourhealthplanman.com. All right, let's finish up on uh, unleavened bread. Yeah, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, okay, um, uh, Billy was kind of uh, describing um, how that thing, uh, how the how the feast kind of be, begins, and some some confusion that's in, involved in there. Just to uh, just to kind of tie it up, and then um, I'll pass it back over to Billy. Uh, the feast of unleavened bread begins with a special unleavened bread that's eaten at the Passover at the Passover meal, um, and it's actually a piece of bread. Um, that comes out of a, a white bag. You have this kind of this white bag with mm-hmm. one piece of material. There's three pieces of white bread that are bread inside that are identical to each other. Uh, the middle one comes out, uh, and it's um, this piece of bread is unleavened, which typically leavened is a symbol typically of sin in the Bible. So it's unleavened, so it would be known as sinless bread. And then uh, it's uh, striped, and it's pierced. Uh, and then it's broken, and then it's wrapped in a... Uh, a white linen cloth, mm. and then it's raised uh, with the purchase of silver. Mm. And buried. We can see, it's, it's buried as part of the Passover celebration. Yeah, and so you you see the you can see the story of the gospel in that one piece of bread. It's that piece of bread that Jesus then holds up in his hand and mm-hmm. said, "This is my body." So he self identifies with that particular piece of bread that was three in one stripe, pierced, wrapped, broken, raised, paid silver for. This is me. And so that begins from that moment forward, that is what we call the communion. But after that, for seven days, 
you don't eat any leaven and you eat and you got to clean your house out yeah, of right, any leaven right. right that's right that's right and we used to hide uh when we got away from easter uh what we did is we used to hide little um sachets uh around the house uh you know it would be um we used to put um like money and stuff in there but basically the idea is your people can put little sachets of leaven around the house with the kids and go and find it and throw it out kind of to, to learn what you're doing is you're purging mm-hmm. yourself of leaven you're purging yourself of all sin and what this talks about is our deliverance from egypt and so in, in other in other words in order to remain free from bondage you have to keep living a holy life you have to keep living a sin free life and eating that bread every day every time you crunch into it it reminds you this is not normal living do you think that's why john adams said that America, that the con, uh, that the Constitution was only for a moral and righteous people. Yes, it only works if you yeah. if you're not moral or, 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 or religious, the Constitution doesn't work for you. That's why we have these people trying to change it change because it, they're yeah. not because they are not moral. moral or religious. So so when we eat this bread for seven days, we are reminding ourselves: if I want to live the freedom we celebrated in the Passover meal, I've got to continue to live holy life. And so eating the unleavened bread reminds us of that. And after seven days of eating that, you, um, you're reminded every, every day. I try to eat it um, at, at breakfast, at lunch, and at dinner. So I'm reminding myself of the need to live a holy life uh, in order to continue to live the freedom of, um, of the Exodus. So if you're wondering what it's like to eat unleavened bread, it's like eating a soda cracker. Yep. 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 All right. That's that's what it is like. Yeah. And although soda crackers don't uh, don't taste bad at all, no, it's not normal right. to eat a cracker with every meal and to get rid of leaven. So you're constantly aware this is not the way normal life right. is, and right. that's just it. We're not meant to live a normal life. Yep. We're that, meant to live different. And that is that is uh, by and large. Remember that these are all shadows of things to come, right? So by and large, all of these feasts are designed to make us stop what we're doing normally yep. and recognize that we are not living what the original plan was, but that plan is going to come to fruition at some point. It's It's designed to make you stop. And think about what life really is, um, and it's um, it's an exercise that is a, a, a beautiful thing. Um, you know, um, we know that Messiah Himself said, "I don't do anything that I haven't seen the Father do first. Well, He celebrated yeah, all of these feasts, that's right. which means God in heaven is celebrating all of these feasts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, particularly when people go, "Well, that's just a Jew- well." Um, I guess God is Jewish enough that he's doing them then, right? Because Jesus did, and therefore God does. So, uh, and, and God doesn't change. So if he did, he still does. Um, and it's, it's, it's an opportunity to be a part of the story. Uh, it's an opportunity to understand what was going on, particularly uh, right there at the crucifixion. You know, when, when Scripture says that he took the, the cup after the meal, um, if you don't understand that the Passover celebration begins with story, has a meal and then finishes with story and that there are multiple cups that are drank during that meal and those cups have Names. symbolism mm-hmm. attached mm-hmm. to them. Uh, that third cup being the cup of redemption. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand that, 
then you just read through the story and go, oh, so, okay, so they ate and then he then he did communion. No, 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 no. That is not what's going on here. Uh, communion already existed. That whole bread and wine thing was already going on. And what he did was explain its significance and how that related directly to the work that he was getting ready to do. Passover is, in my opinion, um, A, the most important holiday uh, celebration of the year. And it's the one that I'm always trying to get uh, quote modern day Christians to come and experience mm-hmm. because it is the one that can change you radically. It will change your view of the entire New Testament. Yep. Yep. Um, it's a beautiful thing and it's coming up soon. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't do it this year. Mm-hmm. We try to do it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will do it again next year. I promise everybody that I'll prepare for that. And I'm going to try to make it as big as possible. Yeah, I mean, at your church, yeah, yeah. And I would encourage people if you if you can't because of COVID or whatever, um, just do it at your home. Even if it's just, yeah. even if it's just you and your wife, just have a special meal and and bring that into it. All right, we got to take a break. Rush is up next. When we come back, we will answer the question: Is Jesus a racist? A pastor asked that question. All right, before we get to this uh, audio clip, I want to tell you about PI roofing. Because uh, I don't want to break up the talk any more than we have to after I play this clip because it's a clip that will get your attention. I'm just telling you. Uh, PI Roofing uh, will take good care of your roof. They've done a great job for me for the 18 years that I've lived in Cabot at my house. Uh, they built, they put a brand new roof on my house. They've come and repaired some damage done by other people uh, from my house. And every time it's been the same old story great work you know that's the way it is just great work they do a great job uh they when they come out and look at your roof they don't stand on the ground and walk around your house and look up and say oh there's a shingle missing there that's not what they do they get up on your roof and usually they'll even call your insurance company to be there with them uh with the appraiser and they walk your roof because if, if they know that you haven't had new roof put on your home and 12, 14 years, they know that there's going to be some problems. Mm-hmm. And so they walk around with you and they'll find the, the pieces that feel mushy and uh, they'll sit with the appraiser and they'll make the decision on do you get whole roof, half roof, quarter roof, or whatever is necessary. They do all that for you. You don't have to deal with your insurance company at all. That's what makes PI Roofing special. PI Roofing, 707-3551 is the phone number, or piroofing.com on the Internet. I came across this. This was sent to me, and when I saw it, I, I literally watched this four times. Four no. times, because I couldn't believe what this pastor said. Uh, I don't know what denomination. I don't know what church it was. I just know he believes this. And, you know, you, you hear Paul talk about false prophets. Here's one of them yeah. for you right here. Listen to this. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. 
What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. All right. So I have a hard time sitting through that. I had a hard time reading through that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I my, sent the transcript with it. Uh, my yeah. righteous indignation jumps up in a hurry here. Um, I just... What? Anger. Just, it's talking a good, it's about a good guy. taking something contextually completely out of context and 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 here's the key i mean this is a guy who literally is saying jesus was human just like you and i yeah but he had no sin right all right that's the big difference if 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 any if, if one iota of what this man said is true Jesus could not have been the sin substitute. He could not have right. died on the cross and atoned That's for correct. anybody. That's right. right. This, this is this is this is one. This is heretical. It is yeah. it is heretical to think this way. I mean, it's almost it, you lose you yeah. lose any way to even describe this. Okay, so if you were pre- the reaction, uh, if you, I, if I, you I, were I, preaching just, this, if you were preaching this particular piece of scripture, right? Why don't you give people the right context? Of what was being preached here, or what was being written here. So th- this is really this has very little to do with Jesus and much more to do with the woman. Uh, this was not this was a matter of testing her faith. Um, this was a matter of um, will you uh, will you bite on this um, this being less than or will you demonstrate faith this was a test for her not a test for him and you know people tend to forget that according to the according to the book of John in the beginning was the word and the word was God and he mm-hmm. became flesh and he made everything that has been made and guess what that includes this woman he knew her story before she walked up he knew her weaknesses before she walked up he knew what she thought about herself before he walked up and he bit on that to test her you know and 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 beyond that um this this is very common hebrew speak in other words um we have t- using animal words for people is is as common in hebrew as saying uh yeah that blonde-haired woman over there right or that red-headed guy over there it's it was it had nothing to do with them saying you are you are Using some type of racial slur, which is still is just the most ludicrous and and thing to say. But anyway, it's heretical. It, it is heretical. Uh, for example, um, we know Jesus called. What did Jesus called Herod? He called him a fox. He called this woman a dog. Uh, there's a group of people that were called ravens in the Bible, right? And that was the better ones. Uh, animal names were applied to certain people groups. It's just a Hebrew way of of talking about uh about people but you know we we do the same thing uh here whenever i was living in in britain you know what they used to call me they called me a yank yeah yeah uh, and what did we used to call the brits we called them limeys i mean we we do almost the same thing here um using different uh, terms for uh, different people in in our language sometimes they're not always that uh not always that kind but but it's, it's the same type of idea so the idea of using uh animal names for people 
is very common. He was in no way degrading this woman and making her making her think that she was some type of a some type of an animal. He was using a word, a common phrase that they were always using for for different people. Politicians were always called foxes. And and don't we even have a phrase even now today? We say sometimes it's about to say the politicians there is sly as an old fox. And it's, it's just a, it's just a way to 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 communicate. And so when you take a, a Hebrewism and you put it into English and then you wrap modern justice warrior philosophy behind it, that's when he uses this phrase. She spoke truth to power. How how social justice warrior type yeah. sound is that? Yeah. So he's mixing it with all types of nonsense. Um, it's kind of like this whole thing. What, what was this? This document was made in the 1960s called uh, Liberation Theology. Oh yeah, it's all just it's just <laughs> it's it's just one of my old professors. If you're watching on Facebook, you're uh, you're you're seeing that he he's struggling just, right now. Just, you know, my, one of my old professors used to say that gives me the case of the Reds, and I think it just means it. I don't never really quite understood what exactly that meant. It just, I think it just made well, him. Well, when th- you get really angry, your face flushes well, out yeah, and everything. So you get the case it, of the Reds. It's, obviously, it's, it's a racial slur, and you've just committed the same. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> not, about, well, you know. Was, at any rate, no. This, this, um, it's it's her, it's heresy. What he's talking about, and, he, and he's doing it. I think just to be provocative, um, and to maybe maybe do something for himself. Because uh, there's certainly no truth in this. But like I said in the very beginning, the most important thing here is if what he said is true and Jesus had to repent right. for being wrong and change for what he was thinking, then Jesus he wasn't can't. sinless. He was not sinless, which means he could not have been the Messiah. And this man just negated the gospel by right. what he said. He is a heretic and he should lose his position as a pastor, whatever church he's a part of. Yeah, it wasn't what she said that made christ offer her life he was going to do that from the very beginning that's right that's right it was him showing yes he that they offered it to everyone everybody everyone and the fact that he uh you miss the entire compassion of the entire story anytime you want the bible to say what you want just lift a verse of scripture out of context and when i say out of context i don't just mean out of the scriptural context i mean the cultural and the historical and the societal context as well because that is very much a lens you have to look through yep. to understand the bible with any accuracy you know what i think is interesting about that what this guy said literally is what christ fought against right because he said christ acted like a sadducee or a pharisee mm. Christ didn't act like that. That was what's so important about him. He was he was welcoming to everyone. Yes. Yes. I mean the Sadducees, they they were their own Lift me up and I will draw all men. Yeah. Not all Jews. Yeah. That's not what he said. I will draw all men. That doesn't sound very racist no. to me. Jesus was just to 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 welcome all all people, uh like like uh, Billy was saying, all people, draw all people that the gospel is inclusive of every – the Bible says when we get to heaven, there will be every tribe, kindred, tongue. <laughs> it, it's incredulous. If it was, I, I, just no if it was spoken, to... if it was spoken, if you looked a certain way or whatever, there will be at least one of those type of people there. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. it, and they throw the music behind it to make it sound all nice and <laughs> I just – just this is this is one of my primary problems with the modern liberal liberal church is that 
they will do whatever they will defame God to uh, justify their liberal theological position. Mm-hmm. And I just I can't I can't stand it. No. Um, if this were a different age, I'd probably be looking for my sword and helmet. Right. Yeah. So um, this is <laughs> what you think about if you, if you just expand it's heresy, everything it's that Jesus heresy. did. I mean, he goes into Samaria and he he actually uh, spends three days with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were for over 700 years. If you know the story, the Samaritans were, were transplants with the Assyrian when the Assyrian mm-hmm. Empire. And so, you know, we're talking about for over about 700 years, there had been all this horrible um, infighting and prejudice between the Jews and the uh, Samaritans. Jesus goes there. Not does he. Not only does he go there and lift up the Assyrians and offer them the gospel, he spends three days with them, even though the disciples are freaking out. And he also he goes and he's the first person he speaks, speaks with is not just a Samaritan; it's a Samaritan woman. Which then again, yeah. uh, it, it, so he he breaks the breaks whole sexist lines. He breaks the the all the uh, the racial tension. And how does he conclude it? He says, "You're gonna you're gonna this way. The way this is gonna happen. You're gonna worship me in spirit and truth. We want right. to cut through this. It's gonna be a spirit thing." Uh, and, and people like this this uh, this man here, um, I, I have, have absolutely no regard or uh, respect yeah. to his uh, exegetical, his theological skills. Um, the man is um, he needs help. Well, I would like to hear I bet his you response. We would, I would like to hear what he would say. Is Jesus the only way to get into heaven? Yeah, I would like I'd to, like to hear your response to, to the say. healing of the of the uh, to the encounter with the centurion. Yeah, I mean, if there's anybody you're going to be racist against, how about the occupying force? Right, these Romans who've come. I mean. And yet he described, not, I've found no greater faith. faith. Yeah. Excuse me, it's obviously not about race. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <gasps> All right, let's get a break. We come back. Uh, I think we'll play it one more time just so people <gasps> get a feel for what that this guy. Means have to listen to it one I more mean, time. you got, look, <laughs> this is what Paul was saying when he said, if anyone yep. comes and I'm says, preaching a different gospel, and it's right. even me. Yeah. And preaches a different gospel than what we've been preaching, you know. Don't don't go with them. Don't yeah. don't understand. Don't don't be with them. Don't have anything to do with it. It's like the people that when you when you you're talking and they say, "Judge not that you be not judged." You got that out of context too. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk about all of that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hear this guy say Jesus is a racist when we come back. All right. You always must be. On your guard for people who preach things that are not true. That's right. All right. And this is not what I'm going to play for you is not true. All right. This is a pastor. We're not exactly sure where he's from, but, you know, you're from everywhere if you're on the Internet. And here's what he had to say. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. 
What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Wow. So that's hard. That uh, the second time was even harder to uh, listen to. It gets worse as you listen to it. The more you listen to it, and more infuriating. Uh, I I want to. I guess I can leave his name out, but let me read part of his bio here. Uh, Robertson is an author, activist, public theologian, and pastor. Public notice, theologian? Notice the Actus? order he puts those in. Oh, yeah. He is first an author and activist, then a theologian. Oh, and I do some pastoring, too. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. based on based on what has just the, the vomit that have just yeah. come out of your mouth, I believe that. I what believe in the world is a public, public theologian? theologian. Apparently, it's place. going on TikTok and disgracing God. So. Yeah, this came off yeah. TikTok, just yeah. so you know, which tells you that anybody can get on the internet and yeah. say, say any, anything. And here's the problem. People are not discerning enough to be able to, to flesh out uh, truth from, uh, from lie or deceit. But, and, but, Scott, that was his truth. Oh, gosh, Dave. I, I just <laughs> There is only now one ev- truth, Now everybody knows why I get irritated you know, when somebody says that. Truth it's mornings like truth. this when I can understand why the Messiah made a whip. They're, they're really, I mean, it's, it's mornings like this when I go, yeah, and and a whole bunch of us deserve that. This, so. this, is, what, this is what the Apostle Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 3. He says, but I fear lest somehow, actually, I'll maybe back up to verse 2. And he says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Messiah. But I fear, here we go, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in the Messiah. Here we go. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus mm-hmm. than that which that which was not priest, or if you received a different spirit than which we have not received, or a different gospel which you have not received, may you well may you well put up with it. So he's telling us here. There's other people preaching different Jesuses out there. Yeah. The Jesus he preached said had racial bias, mm-hmm. had had prejudice. That is a different Jesus than the Jesus of the uh, of the gospel. So beware. Run for your life as if your hair is on fire. Yeah, yeah. Run, uh, run the other way. Yeah, completely and totally. And Do a Monty Python. I, yep. I certainly hope that no one has even believe a scintilla with this man I'm, i hope not either but i i wanted to bring it out because this is out there it's out there yeah. and can, there's can other you, and there's other stuff that's even worse i'm yeah. not a, i'm not on tiktok but can you tell if people are watching can you see their number of views or can you i, I, don't, uh, I'm not I have no idea either. I yeah. guess that I guess that makes us old that neither one of us. Yeah. Well, the reason TikTok I'm not on TikTok is, that, is, that is that Chinese. Chinese thing. Yeah, that's why I'm not on it. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm not going to give them any access. Um, yeah, but you you brought up something during the break, and 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 maybe we should sit down and talk about it here in in the future. We can plan for it, and that is some people get so tied up into worldly politics that they start reading the scripture. 
and understanding the scripture through their own politics. Right. And that's dangerous. Yes. Well, the word is meant to change our politics, change our society, change our thoughts, change our mind. We're meant to renew our mind with the word. But unfortunately, a lot of people do that. They take their belief set, their their cultural set, whatever, and they bring it into the scripture and they begin to interpret the Bible through a lens that is not godly. And yeah. it has – do you know – there are over there are forty one thousand Christian denominations. Shouldn't be that forty one yep. thousand. There shouldn't be that. Yes, well, just saying. shouldn't be four thousand. Here's the here's shouldn't the be four. No, biggest why? danger. Here's the biggest danger with this sort of thing. The moment we begin and, and the moment we allow people to begin describing the Bible as being racist in our current political environment, people will begin to say, "Then the Bible must be banned." If it's racist in our cultural environment these days, it cannot exist. Uh, this is this is a, a step. I can't say the first step because I think we've been marching down this path for a long time. But this is a step towards complete banning of the Bible. And if that sounds alarmist to you, then you need to wake up and see what's going on around us because they're they're canceling everything about holiness these days mm-hmm. um they they cancel preachers and pastors who will stand up and say this is right and this is wrong and since you have your truth and i have mine according to uh, the current political winds then uh, i must be wrong if i say that there is a uh, is one truth uh, and that there is a moral compass that points north and so many people aren't following that all right last few moments here next week passover all right with that in mind, uh, Scott, because I I have his presentation that he gave to me, uh, if you want to have Passover at your home, I want you to join us for sure next week, and he's going to talk about it. If you want a, a not a brochure, but a presentation, we're going to make it possible for you to download it so you can use it at your own home. Yes. And uh, he's going on next Wednesday. Was it next Wednesday? Yes. Okay. You're going to set up the Passover table, the whole nine yards, go through it. I would highly recommend that you go over and and be part of that at uh, Agape Church. Is that at 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock, 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. And go to it. And uh, because I am a firm believe that uh, we're expected to follow the passover amen i I really really do believe that and i i've been remiss i've not done it as much as i should have all right we're out of time we got to get on with the the rest of the day here on 101 i'll be back with you again tomorrow be a wednesday uh congressman hill be here congressman westerman will not be with us tomorrow but we'll have a good show for you tomorrow to hear here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll get started, as we always do, 6 a.m. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show.